God at work through freedom. Right? Last week, we talked about how God was at work in our lives for freedom. Right? How God sent Jesus to come and to set us free from all kinds of things, including the law. And, and the week before that, he talked about how the law uh, was, was made, was a good, is a good thing, but it was made to teach us that we have a need for Jesus. Right? We need grace. And then, last week, he talks about he works for this freedom so we can live in this, and we were encouraged, don't give up that freedom. But that's a scary thing. How do we live in freedom? And that's what Paul talks about today. Now, let me give an illustration. I, was, uh, I don't know if you, if you guys know Rob Booth. He's a, the, uh, the British guy in our community, and he makes great tea. And uh, anyway, I went to his house to this last week, and we were talking about this, and came with a really great illustration. And I didn't have time to put it together, um, <laughs> but I'm going to do this. So memorize, use your, your imaginations. Um, you have uh, four points right uh like that create a boundary can you think of like like a boundary that's where you stand inside that is my law and my law i'm safe with inside my law um, and it couldn't be god's law because i'm outside of god's law but it, everybody that fits inside of my law i love right and it's a very small law and everybody's got their own one and so but like my friends and my family they are the ones that are inside of my law and this is who i'm free to love in this life and that's what the law really does when i look at god's law i can take portions of the things that i agree with him with and i use those fence pieces to create my law that goes around my life and if you're inside of that i will love you amazing thing that jesus came to do is that he set us free from that he gets rid of the law but in my life it's not like the law just disappears what happens is, first, I recognize that I was grace, that God loves me, and then all of a sudden, I get those boundaries. Can you imagine all of a sudden my fence expands around this group because these are the really good people in church because they sit on this side closer to me? So I love them more, right? And so my law then extends around them. And so they're different than me. They didn't fit inside my particular law, but now I can love them easier. Or, and all of a sudden, they're inside of that. And, and what happens is... Um, as I mature in Christ, those boundaries then maybe get even bigger, and I might even get this section over here. And those are people that I'm really different than, but they still, I can love them, all right? And God changes my, the boundary of my heart, and all of a sudden, you guys are inside of the, the, the barrier that I, can, that I can love, okay? But the ones on the far side, those are the really hard people to love in this world. They're like the ISIS people and the, and the dictators and, and the bad criminals, right? You guys are bad. And so as a Christian, I'm free to not judge these people, and I'm free to love them, but I still have law in my life. Right? But what Jesus does is he continues to grow us to the point that the barriers disappear. They disappear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But first I need to release the children to the praise place. I just want to give you guys a tease for that, so we'll get that. So let's have all the kids up through fifth grade. Come on up, and we want to pray for you. And this is an exciting week here in our praise place because we are starting a brand new program uh it's phenomenal going through god's word and how we know that we can trust it great great stuff so let's pray for you all and send you back there heavenly father i thank you for our children and i thank you for the exciting stuff they're going to learn today in praise place i pray that they would have a lot of fun and they would learn about you father and most of all that they would experience your love we pray that in jesus name amen all right you guys want to head on back to that far corner and uh, your teachers will be waiting awesome Good stuff. So, we have our boundaries. They're going to disappear, and it's going to be scary. 
and that's what's going to happen today. But it's going to be really freeing, and it's going to have something to do with a monkey and a tuxedo. We'll get to that. Okay. The first thing Paul talks about here is that we are free from the law, right? He said God has worked for our freedom, right? That's what he did. So he emphasizes again that we are free from the law. Now, every, every week, every week that I preached on Galatians, every week, I get a phone call or a visit or something from somebody, or an email, that is nervous about this. And they say, whoa, you're going too far, Pastor. You're going too far. The, the law, was, as I see it, as I hear this over and over again, folks, the law, as I see it, is like God's fence supposed to keep us out from some ways of living that kill us. And so that's how I keep it in my life. And so, you know, we, we can't get away from the law. We, we can't have that kind of freedom. And, and I just have to say, no, you're missing the point. Um, and let me explain how, how this happens. If I live my life according to this law, like I keep this, this particular group, and I, and I say I'm not going to love you guys, okay? God enabled me to love them. Right? He freed me that I can do that. I couldn't do that in myself. I can love anybody I want to. I can love anybody he wants me to. I'm, I'm empowered to do so. But if I have law in my life, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep looking at those fence posts. Right? And I'm going to think about I'm safe in here. As long as I don't do these things, there's a beast inside of me. And, and as long as I don't lose those fence posts, then I don't have to worry about getting outside of those. And that's why the law is particularly good. That's why I feel safe about it. Well, what happens is when we take law and we use it that way, it's kind of like, um, it's like putting a tuxedo on a monkey, right? It's taking something very beautiful and good and putting it on a beast, right? And, and beasts need cages. You've got to keep them locked up in the zoo or something. I, I don't care how nice the tuxedo looks, it's still a beast inside. And what happens for us is when I, I look at the law and I try to apply it to my life, like trying to take something on the outside and just put it on and thinking it's going to change who I'm on the inside – I'm deluding myself. It doesn't have the power to change who I am. I may look nicer, but I'm still just a monkey in a tuxedo. God does something different. God doesn't dress us up to make us different. He changes who we are from the inside out. That's what it means when the scripture says you are a new creation. That's what Jesus meant when he said you've been born again, right? It's what it talks about that I have crucified myself with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ within me. God's not about making you look pretty. He's about transforming you and sanctifying you and changing you. And there's freedom in that. When people come to my office, or actually usually I get to go out now to coffee shops or meet them in their businesses or homes, but I have a conversation over and over again with folks, and I'm so excited when I finally have this conversation with them. It's usually when they're so frustrated and they say, Aaron, I am just, I'm at my wit's end. I have this sin or this thing in my life that I can't get rid of. I want to get rid of it. I just keep trying and it just keeps, I, I, I'm, I don't even know if I want to repent anymore from it because I just feel like, like a big fool in front of God. I just, I try to give it away and I keep taking it back and it's, I'm just broken. I'm this beast on the inside, right? And I need God's law. I need something there. <laughs> To, to help me, to, to limit me, because I just can't trust myself. I just can't change. And I love that conversation because it comes to the point where we realize that it's not me that can change me. Never was. 
Um, if I have a law that says uh, I'm not to look at a woman lustfully, okay, that's my law. And then I struggle with something like pornography, right? And I have that in my life. And I have this law that says, okay, I'm not going to look at a woman lustfully. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to focus on what I'm not going to do. I'm going to apply this to my life. and I'm going to make sure that I don't do this. Okay? And that's my focus. Is like, I can't do that. I can't. I can't. I can't. I always will. It's just the way that it works. I always will. See, Jesus didn't come to set us free to not do things. Jesus set us free to live. If you want to overcome whatever sin it is, the first thing I always tell the folks is stop trying not to do it. Counterintuitive as that is, God's grace is enough for you. Instead of focusing on what you can't do, focus on what God has freed you to do. Or like pornography, love your wife. Love her. I mean, really love her. Take her out. Write her cards. Call her on the phone. Email her. Text her. Pour yourself into being passionate about her. Because God freed you to do that. And you know the amazing thing is, as I talk to guys that go through that, I'll talk to them five, six months later. I'll be like, so how's it going? They'll be like, how's what going? And I say, you know that conversation we had? They're like, wow. I hadn't even thought about that in so long. Or if it's gossip. And you, your mouth just gets you into trouble because you're always stirring things up and all this. And you just can't stop yourself, right? And you want to stop, but yet you find yourself just causing drama. And you hate that about yourself. First thing to do is stop trying not to cause drama. God's grace is sufficient. But how about this? Instead of focusing on not gossiping, how about focusing on speaking truth and love? How about finding a cause that's worthy of your time and emotions? How about finding something that, that is that is energized, like God has called you to this in his heart. Start focusing on that, talking about that, pouring yourself into those things. Yes, amazing how subtly, yet how thoroughly God will change you so that all of a sudden you'll look back five, six months later and you'll be like, I haven't gossiped in a long time. How did that happen? You see, that's the difference between law and and grace between law and freedom the law can't change you it can make you look nicer for a time but even if you do even if i was struggling with something and say i i met the law and i said okay i'm not going to look a woman lustfully or i'm not going to gossip and i somehow do that do you know what happens to me I'm still the beast and so i'm still penned in by those things and i still have this barrier and now standing on the inside guess what everyone who's on the outside of that what do i do to them i judge them do I love them? No. I said, well, I was able to stop doing that. And don't get too close to me because you might tempt me. But I'm not free to love them, am I? God has set us free to love. And he does this by changing the beast into his child. And that's what Paul talks about here. Now look at this. I mean, so cool. He says, <laughs> Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Those are hard words. What's he talking about? Well, there was a group of Christians, remember in Galatia, that they believed that I'm saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and my Lord and Savior. They believed in that, and yet they added something. They were believing, but also, plus, I need, I need law. 
I need to obey the law of the Old Testament. That's how I'm going to be saved. I need both. God's grace isn't sufficient to save me unless I do these things. It's the whole concept, unless I look good enough to go to church, I can't go to church. <laughs> Guess what? None of us look all that good. So, well, you do, I don't. Yeah, you do, I don't. But here's the thing. He, he takes this and he says, listen, if you want to add things to grace, you're never going to get there. Right? If you think that God will love me as soon as I do A, B, and C, and I do that, then I've earned his favor enough that he can love me and grace me, you're never going to get there. Whatever our rules may be, you know, we have this, this idea of if I'm going to have, if I'm going to obey God's law, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the Sabbath, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I always use his name in the right way, I uphold it, I, I make sure that, that I have, you know, that I'm doing all the things that the Old Testament tells me to do. I'm not murdering, I'm stealing, I'm not lying, I'm not cheating, I'm not envying anybody, you know, I'm, I do all those things and I, and I live according to that law and I say to God, this is where my righteousness comes from. Because of this, I have earned your favor enough to be graced. I missed the point of grace. One, because I know that I never really got there, right? That's the whole point. The law shows us that we all broke the law. We all are in need of grace. But when if I try to abide the law, take the law and say, by this law, I'm going to earn God's favor. I'm going to earn my sanctification. I'm going to earn my salvation. Both, I miss the point. And Paul's saying, listen, if you want to go that route, God will let you go that route. But it's not going to end well for you. If you think that you can earn righteousness by obeying the law, then you have to obey the whole darn thing, every bit of it, perfectly. Jesus even said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Good luck. Can you do that? No. But if we, if we try to abide by the law so much, this is how my righteousness and my sanctification, this is where it's going to come from, I have just nullified grace in my life. I have told God that as soon as I am good enough, I can be, I can be graced. You know what grace is? Getting what you don't deserve. To say I'm going to do things so I deserve what I don't deserve is silly talk. But that's what we do. And so he says, don't alienate yourself from grace. Don't tell God I'm going to earn what I'm going to earn what I can't earn. That's ridiculous. But if you want to earn his favor, try it. And then when you feel like a failure enough, just accept his love, accept his grace, and then he'll change you. It's an amazing thing. So there are those. It's the huge warning. Don't abide, don't take grace on. But here's this amazing thing here. It says, for Jesus Christ, there is neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So he's saying, listen, as it comes to salvation and sanctification, obeying the law perfectly really is not, a, is not going to help you one way or the other, Right? In the Christian life, we take, we take the law and it shows us our need for Jesus. That's where we need to start. But once we have Jesus, just obeying by this, this, this rope around me, I'm missing the point of what God has called me to do. He, caused, he died so I could live free for him, so I could, live all, uh, I could love all people. Get this. This is so huge. It says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You want to change you want to, you have that, that beast inside of you change? Stop trying to put on a tuxedo. Stop trying to put on that really awesome law onto your life. Instead, 
Start loving. And notice it says faith expressed through love. It's powerful. If I don't believe that God graced me, if I don't believe that God loved me enough that, that he gave me uh, forgiveness and salvation is going to change me, a brand new life, even when I didn't deserve it, well, then I'm not going to believe that he did that for somebody else. But if I believe that he did that for me, then I believe that he must be able to do that for others. Right? And if I believe that God loved me when I was unworthy, that's going to give me the ability by faith to love other people who I deem unworthy of loving. And so when I express love to them, it is by faith. Because I wouldn't do that unless I believed that God was really in it. Right? It would make no sense. But we have enemies. We have people that are difficult for us. And when I express my love to them, it's by faith knowing that I have been loved. It's a way of saying and proclaiming with my life a very fundamental truth of our faith that we are loved when we didn't deserve it. (laughs) And so I can love others who don't deserve it. Express your faith in love. That's what matters. That's what's going to change us. Paul also goes on and says about this, now we are free to love. He says, my brothers and sisters, you are free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. This is the number one complaint that I get when we talk about these things that makes people nervous because we know we're beasts inside. And we say, if you take away the barriers, if you take out the walls, I don't trust me. I don't trust me enough. And that's okay, because God does. Don't forget that it's the Holy Spirit we're talking about who's in you to change you. The the power to transform you from the beast to the child of God that he called you to be is not in you, never was. The power to change you is from God. The Holy Spirit rests in us. It says in Scripture that he is writing his law on our hearts. God is doing that. Not you. Think about who we're talking about here. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who has the power to create all things out of nothing. Right? The Holy Spirit has the ability to to know all people at all times. Right? Just amazing knowledge. The Holy Spirit. Right? Who, Who can do, I mean, he can move mountains if he wants, just like this. He can raise people from the dead. The Holy Spirit can change your heart. I mean, if he can build mountains, if he can bring nations to their knees, what the Holy Spirit has done in history, he can change your heart. He can transform you. And he's in there, and that's what he's doing. That's what he's told us he's doing. And since he is writing his law in us, we are now free to love. Now, we can use our freedom to indulge our flesh, Are we going to to fall from grace if we do that? Well, Hebrews warns us that if we keep doing that long enough, sometimes we can harden our heart to the point that we'll walk away from God. So there is danger into it. But I say that's asking the wrong question. Why on earth? Why on earth would we live in such a way that is feeding our own prison? We have been set free. That's why it says last week, stand firm then. Don't let yourselves again be burdened by a yoke of slavery. We were slaves to sin. 
We were. We sinned and then we found in our lives there were things we couldn't just we just couldn't stop doing. If you want to spend your energy doing that, fine, but what kind of joy in life is there in that? It makes us miserable, makes us feel shamed, makes us feel lousy. We give up so much. He says, no, get this. Rather, he says, he doesn't say, rather obey the law completely. Look what he says. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Have you ever seen a televangelist that goes up there and talks about the victorious life in Jesus? you ever seen that? You're like, you live, live the victorious life in Jesus? I love that because that's what we have. My problem is, is very, very often I don't see them explain what does that mean. How do we do it? This is how we do it, church. It's loving one another humbly. It's serving one another humbly in love. See, when I stop taking a look at myself and saying, how do I need to act so I can be more godly? And I start looking at just trusting that God loves me and he's a purpose for me. And I start loving other people that are difficult, that are hard, that are around me, that are my neighbors. And I start loving them, serving them, start thinking about them and their needs and caring for them. Coolest thing happens. God changes me and all those problems that I was having in my own life and the sin that was dogging me and keeping me down and all those things, all of a sudden, God starts changing me and it disappears. And I'm living a victorious life in Christ. But not because I was looking at the law to change me, because I was simply doing what God freed me to do. He freed me to love. He freed you to love. The changed life in Christ is this. I have been forgiven. I have received the mercy and the grace of God. I have received a new life. I have a new spirit. I have the Holy Spirit inside of me. He's working. He's transforming. He's given me a purpose and a power and a passion. He is equipped me to serve. So I can do that. I can love people. If I have a mean waitress, I can love her and be kind to her. If I have a spouse that wakes up on the wrong side of the bed, I can love her and I can care for her. And if I have a child that needs a cold cup of water in the middle of the night and it's just driving me nuts, but the 50th time, I can love my child. Right? No one can take that away. I'm standing firm. I can love anybody. Anybody. I can love them. And when I take that love and I put it to action and I serve other people, wow, that's where the power comes in. That's where the transforming life of Christ takes place. You ever read this book by Major Ian Thomas? It's called The Indwelling Life of Christ. And he talks about this. He says, you know, you, you get God's love comes in, right? You, you receive it when you, when, you, uh, when you become a Christian. But far too often, we are Christians, we put up this floodgate here. So the, so the grace of God comes in. We have the indwelling life of Christ. But then it kind of gets pooled up inside of us. And it, and it just kind of rumbles. It's not meant to be stagnant like that. And it drives us nuts. But the indwelling life of Christ should lead to a, a flowing life of Christ. A life that serves others humbly in love. And when that happens, the transformation that takes place in us is just phenomenal. It's amazing things. We are free to love. We are free to love. What amazing news is that? But get this. Oh, I forgot. That I highlighted some things. I already talked about them. So there we go. We are also free to live by the Spirit. We can live. See, the whole Christian faith is so different than religion. Religion says, look at the things you cannot do and then live within the boundaries. 
The Christian faith is this. You have been set free, so love. You have been set free, so live. Live with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. He will guide and direct you. He will. He is God. He's big enough for that. You are free now to live according to the Spirit. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. That's exactly what I've been talking about. You see? The sin that you have in your life, the things that the law couldn't cause you to stop doing, says this, just live by the Spirit, right? And then those things will take care of themselves. And the Spirit causes us to love other people. In fact, it talks about what are the things that the, the Spirit works against. Well, there's acts of the flesh. We have our body. And we have our spirit. And they want different things because our body is not sanctified. That's why we get a new body, by the way. So cool. Get a brand new body. It's not going to worry about these things. But... The acts of flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. It's not, a, it's not a complete list. Right? But one thing I think is interesting, look at this. Factions, envy. You often don't put those two things in, in the midst of all those other bad things, debauchery, witchcraft. You see... We destroy each other. Factions, all this is about, and envy, it's about me having my little box, and this is who I'm going to love. And if you fit in that, that's who I'm going to love. That's why that's there. It destroys us. But we have been set free to live according to the Spirit, above those things, beyond those things. We are so beyond factions. At least we ought to be. Because we can love anybody. That's the amazing thing. Well, that's the way that we used to live. That's the way that's in our life, the things that cause us guilt. But look at this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against those things, there's no law. See, that's who God is growing in you. Now, you've heard me say this before because it's a brilliant illustration. And so, be amazed again. It's harvest time. And you look at a fruit tree like the peach trees. Right? You go out there and you watch the peach trees. The peach trees aren't there straining to grow peaches, are they? They're not there going, <laughs> right? That's not what they do. They just grow peaches because they're peach trees. But peach trees do something. They're active. Not like they just like, poof, a peach tree appears. What happens is a peach tree grows. And it puts its energy not into growing peaches, but it puts its energy into growing roots that are deep, that meet good water. And it puts its energy into growing, growing out branches, right, that put out leaves that catch the sunlight. If a peach tree doesn't do those things, it's not going to make very many peaches, are you, is it? Or if it connects into ugly water, bad water, it's going to have bad peaches. If we want the fruits of the Spirit in our life, it's not so much that I keep saying to myself, oh, I want to be a peaceful person. Lord, make me a peaceful person. I want to be kind. I'm so bad. I don't want to be mean and hateful anymore. I want to be kind. No, no. The more we focus on doing those things, like you say, I'm going to be a patient person, so annoy me and I won't retaliate, right? The more eventually we come to our end and then we just retaliate. Instead, we need to be like the trees and we grow our roots in the right places. And we set our branches up so they they pick up the nourishment that we're supposed to get, right? So where are you setting your branches? Where are you setting your roots? And if you're going to do something, that's where we need to work at. Now, setting our roots is setting them into Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're not setting your roots in the right place, 
I mean, Jesus said he is the vine, we are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We memorized that earlier this year. That's what he's talking about. He is the living water. He is the one that changes us. If, if he's not your Lord and Savior, good luck changing. Right? But if we have Jesus our Lord and Savior, if you connect with him, and how we connect with him is very simple. You meet with him. You talk to him. You have this ongoing prayer. If something happens in your life, you're like, Lord, I need your help with this. Or, that was awesome. Or, this person is driving me nuts. Or, man, I did it again. Help me. Because I don't want to be like that anymore. That's relationship with Jesus Christ. It's getting into his word and hearing what, what God through his Holy Spirit has to speak to you through his inspired word. It's getting there and, and just asking him, Lord, help this make sense to me. And connecting with it and thinking about what it says. It's like what song says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's not magic. It's not hocus pocus. It's that you are connecting, you're setting your roots in, with God. And he will change you. But we also need to set our branches out. And that's the whole loving other people, right? That's the law. That's the law that we're supposed to follow. It's going out of this world and saying, am I, am I choosing by faith to love others? To care about them at least as much as I care about myself. You do those things, you're not going to be able to help yourself but to be a more patient, kind, helpful, generous, thoughtful, loving person. That's just what God does because he's that good. Now, church, we are free. We are free. We are free from the law. As scary as that is, as wonderful as that is, we're free from the law because we are free to love and we are free to live by the Spirit. Now, as I take this and, 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 uh, and end this portion of the, of the message, um, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. I'd like you guys to take out these little green connection cards because what do you do with this? Well, I have some ideas to get you started. This is a whole new way of living. It's a powerful way of living. It's an awesome way of life. But sometimes the first steps are the most scary, so I have some ideas for us. First thing to do is maybe memorize Galatians 5.13 on the back there. If you have that commitment you'd like to make, uh, let me know because I'll be praying for you this week. Why memorize Galatians 5.13? Because it's the power of God's word in your life. When you are tempted to not love or tempted to go back to law as some kind of safety, you realize you don't need that. God keeps you safe. But now we need to love. When you go and you have a very difficult person that drives you nuts, let the truth of Galatians remind you that we are to serve one another humbly in love. And that's the way of, of life in Christ. Maybe what you need to do this week is to memorize, but don't just memorize, think about what this says. A fancy word for that is meditation, but just think about what this verse says. Think about its truth. Pray it in your life. Say, God, I see this is what you want. Help me. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe it's this. Maybe you need to read Galatians 5, 2-26. Uh, that's what I preached on today. And go through this week and have your own time with God as you read this passage and have its truth find its way into your heart. Or maybe it's to have a daily quiet time with God. Not just once, but every day. That you meet with God purposely. It's your date with God. In fact, if you look on my phone, on my, on my calendar, that's what I call mine. It's my date with God because it's exactly what it is. Are you meeting with Him to get to know Him better? To hear what's on His heart? To talk about life and what you're going through and how the two of you can can work you know if you've never had a quiet time the reason I call it a quiet time because it's best if you don't have craziness happening all around you however sometimes it's just the way it is 
but it's forming a habit of just getting there. You know, it's just like in marriage. If you don't form a habit of dating your spouse, you're not going to date them. Well, it's the same thing with this. If you don't have a habit of meeting with God, you're just not going to do it. So maybe you can start that today. And the challenge is, say, this week, every day this week, seven times in a week, you're going to take some time apart just to meet with God. It doesn't have to take terribly, terribly long. But what you could do, if you don't know what to do, maybe you read that passage. And you read it over and over again. And maybe you do the memory verse and you think about what it says and then you talk to God about it. And you say, God, I see this. this is what you say is true. Help me in this. Or talk to him about something else that's happening in your life. But you do that every day. And I'll be praying for you as, you as you make that commitment. How about this one, a different one? How about praying for someone who you find it hard to love? Because you are free to love anybody. You're free to love anybody. So maybe there's a difficult person in your life. Maybe it's a, a difficult parent or a, or a child or maybe it's your spouse. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody you work with or a neighbor. Maybe there's somebody, you, every time their name comes up, you just like, or you see them coming, you just want to walk the other way. Well, maybe you can start by saying, I'm free to love them. And I'm going to begin by praying for them. I'm going to pray God's blessing over them. I'm going to pray that God touches their heart just like he touched mine, that God changes them, begins to change them from the inside out, which is kind of a selfish prayer. But nonetheless, God will do it. Pray for them. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe there's some other commitment that you need to make. You write that down. Let me know about it. Why? Because I will be praying for you this week as you keep those commitments that you're making to Christ as you live this new life. Also, if there's a prayer request that you have, please write that down. One of my very favorite things to do for you, I'm so honored to do this for you, is to serve you by praying for you. So if you let us know what you need prayer for, you'll be prayed for every day, uh, which is an amazing thing. So write that down. And then here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. And I would like you to put this green card in with your offering that we give to the Lord. And uh, that's what we would like to do. So let's pray for the offering and uh, for our commitments now. Heavenly Father, to say that we love you is just simply not enough. Uh, How could we ever love you the way that, uh, that you deserve? We were broken and lost and Father, you you loved us enough to send your son to this earth to die for us. We were rebellious and and deceived. And Father, you sent truth and you gave it to us freely. And you gave us forgiveness and a new life and a hope and a a different way of being. Then you didn't stop because we were still broken. And you gave us your Holy Spirit to change us. Father, I pray for our congregation, for all of us, that you help us to walk in that freedom that you fought so hard for. Help us to resist the urge to keep feeding that old, that old master of sin. And Father, to walk in the love that you've given us. Empower us, Father, to love the people that you love. To live according to the life that Christ has given us. Let us walk with the Spirit and not resist him, Father. And Lord, as we do this, I pray your gospel, that good news that Jesus did this for us, he can do it for anybody. Let that gospel be not just something we say, but let it exude through all that we do so our community will know that you are God and they will come to you too. Father, we pray that you take these offerings and these gifts and these commitments and you would bless them and that you would do amazing things. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.